Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So how is it that I can see the sunlight in this midterm results? How is that even possible? I am, truly am, a glass half full kind of guy. And part of it is because I never lie to myself. I never lie to myself. I honestly take a look at a situation. It's what we do on the show. It's what you and I do, guys, all the time. And we actually break down what it is that we're seeing. Honesty requires us to note, requires us to note that what we saw in this midterm, not uh, not great. It requires us to say that if we were going uh, to have a red wave, it should have actually been a wave. I oppose the use of the terminology. I don't think I ever use the terminology except to maybe quote somebody else because I don't talk like that. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What is going on, everybody? Good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com, TonyKatz.Locals.com. It's just not the way I talk because we talk so much about the expectation game. Politics is about expectations. Why would you set, why would you set an expectation that you cannot hit? You keep expectations low, then you exceed them, and that's what sticks in the minds of people. That that that's a huge part of of uh, engaging a brand and, and engaging w- with people. Keep the expectation rational. Exceed the expectation. That's what you want to do. Don't ex- don't set it too high. Wave wave is way 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 too high. That's that's the way that that it is. Wave is just way too high. And it didn't turn out that way. And they're still going to be counting votes and the whole thing is insane. And uh, I got some right and I got some wrong. That much is for sure. You know, you take a look at Ohio and J.D. Vance beats Congressman Tim Ryan. And I'm very uh, pleased about that. But Michael DeWine, the governor, took that race by 25 points. Vance took it by seven. Fetterman beats Oz. I, I don't care how weak of a candidate you think Oz is. Fetterman can't speak. The man had a stroke, and they're still like, yeah. So as much as you want to talk about how Republicans need to take a look at candidates and need to look at this and questions about Trump, dear Lord, what is it that the political left is willing to accept here? Holy crap. They they, they will accept literally holy crap. That is frightening and is going to require some study. But not everything is a disaster. I take you to what took place right here in Indiana. And what took place right here in Indiana is, well, Republicans everywhere except the 7th District where Indianapolis voted for Louis Farrakhan supporter Andre Carson. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm calling him. Come at me, bro. And they kept Frank Mervan in the first district, defeating Jennifer Ruth Green. 
Jennifer Ruth Green got 47% of the vote. If you take a look at all of the challenges in the other eight congressional districts, no one got as much support as Jennifer Ruth Green, 47% of the vote, over 100,000 votes. Losing to Mervan, the Democrat, by 12,000. She ran an exceptional campaign. She got abused in, in that her military records were leaked. And this Indianapolis media, this garbage indie media, garbage indie media, which never covered the story. A congressional candidate's military records are leaked by the Air Force, possibly to the Congressman Frank Mervan, then to a Politico reporter who is a, a, a not a reporter, he is a, a hitman for the left. And no one talks about it, but they all talk about Diego Morales. Oh, 24-7, Diego Morales, Diego Morales, this, that, and the other. I'm not saying Diego Morales is a good candidate. I'm not saying Diego Morales doesn't have issues. You know what I am saying? That even with all of his issues, right? This is what they said of all those Trump-endorsed candidates. Too many issues, too many this, too many that. Diego Morales is the next Secretary of State and beat Destiny Wells, the Democrat, by double digits. Destiny Wells only got 40% of the vote in that race. Diego Morales, 54%, 916,000 votes. Now, Compare that to the state auditor race, Tara Klutz. I like Tara Klutz personally. Oh, she's lovely. Lovely. And Daniel Elliott, whom I've never met. Daniel Elliott got a million votes. A million. Tara Klutz, 984,000 votes. There were three people in that race, so that could be a little more of the split. There are only two people in the treasurer race where Daniel Elliott, the Republican, is now the state treasurer. Diego Morales... 916,000 votes. Now, true, you had a libertarian in that race who got almost 100,000 votes, Jeff Marr, who I thought ran a fantastic campaign. I thought he was great on the air. Only 6%. So libertarians still not getting that ballot access thing going on. But people didn't vote in the same measure they did for Klutz and Daniel Elliott. Elliott got 61% of the vote. Tara Klutz got 60% of the vote. Diego Morales, 54% of the vote. So his antics and the allegations against him and his antics, including not um, uh, being a part of the debate and then saying on my morning show, uh, there was no debate. Of course there was a debate. Don't lie. They did take it out on him, and that's where you see that total. But it didn't matter because he won. The Democratic Party of Indiana is so hapless that they couldn't beat Diego Morales. When all over, it seems that the imperfect candidates, uh, they got kind of blown out. They got kind of ripped apart. If it's not, if it wasn't for Andre Carson, it wasn't for the first district, they would never have a win. Nothing to grab onto. Nothing to reach on to. School board races. Over there, Hamilton Southeastern, you had uh, the, 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 the slate. Uh, you had uh, this, this slate uh, of candidates that were going to take on the woke. 
that slate of candidates crushed it at Hamilton Southeastern, which is the epicenter of the woke. The epicenter. You take a look at this. Tiffany Pasco uh, in District 1 in Hamilton Southeastern, Juanita Albright in District 2, Don Lang in District 3, Ben Orr in District 4. Man, they, uh, oh, look at Ben Orr and look at his driving record. Look at Ben Orr and this and that. 56% of the vote. 56%. Don Lang, 61%. Juanita Albright, 59%. Tiffany Pasco, 52% in a four-person race. You don't think I should look at that and smile and say, my goodness, how good this is that Hamilton Southeastern, with all the DEI and the SEL and the wokeness and the the the, 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 the viciousness of some of the school board members, some of the nastiest people. I would I would have done interviews with, with one of them, but she kept uh, saying, uh, you know, well, first it was yes, it was no, I can't, no, I can't, no, I can't, I can't do that. And then, of course, you know, somehow I'm the bad guy. Whatever. I, I sleep fine. I sleep fine knowing that it's okay to mention that schools work for the parents, and when they're not working, parents should get involved. And they're not domestic terrorists when they do. In the Carmel Clay School District, What's interesting is that the Republican slate went one for three. And you take a look at that first district, Jenny Brake losing to Kristen Quoka, Quoka, K-O-U-K-A, by um, 117 votes. While the other two people in that race, Sheldon Barnes and Stephanie Flitner, got about 7,500 votes between them. And you're like, right, maybe maybe uh, the Republican Jenny Brake could have won that thing. Maybe, um, just, just, just maybe, they need to run a better campaign. Maybe, just maybe, there's a lesson here. That while Coca, Quoka, forgive me for not knowing, uh, is, is going to be on the school board, 21,000 people voted against her. Voted for somebody else. The vast majority of people voted for somebody else. 60% voted for, 61% voted for somebody else. So, you know, that's something to remember. The incumbent Jennifer Nelson Williams beat Dr. Adam Sharp. Now, I have a lot to actually say about this race and how some of that um, campaigning was done. Uh, and let me just say for the record, uh, I uh, only had one uh, email interaction with the campaign manager for, for that uh, Republican slate and uh, one phone call message that was left for me that I didn't even bother returning. Um, I was not impressed. And I plan on saying so to the campaign manager, to the Hamilton County Republican Party, to anybody who will listen to me, you want to do it nose to nose, just pick the street corner. I've got words. Meanwhile, Greg Brown beats Jake Nichols in the third district there by 104 votes. Don't tell me every vote doesn't matter. But it shows me that there's movement. It shows me that people were indeed paying attention. It shows me 
that it wasn't just talk about the school boards. There was action. Now, maybe they got the result they wanted in Hamilton Southeastern or they didn't get it the way they wanted in Carmel. I'm hearing Brownsburg is is not too happy with how their things went down. But it shows movement. It shows a desire. It shows a a a a push. And that matters. That matters greatly, and I look at that and I smile. And I see, in that, I see the glass half full. I see the glass half full. I see the push. Never, never perfect at first. It gets better as you go along, as you learn more, as you get better at it. And I'm excited by it. I am thrilled by it because I think there's something to build on here. I think there's something to grow here locally and statewide. I think there is a better Indiana, a better Hoosier to create out of this, out of this activity. Some people may want to call it activism. I'm, I, I don't know if activism is how I, I describe it. I see this as opportunity. I see this as a move in the right direction. And I don't think that the the cloud cover of Republicans failed tells the story as well as those school board races do. In Indiana, allow me to be clear, Progressives failed epically on the state level and on the local level. They failed epically. There's a story here. And I believe that that story is very much uh, connected to the idea of focus and being unyielding. Not being afraid. Standing strong, being strong, being able to fight through it all the way to the end. Tell your story. Stand up for what it is you believe in and say it with conviction and then back it up with facts and data. Back it up with honesty and clarity. And you will go incredibly, incredibly far. Earnestness, 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 earnestness matters took me a second there. Guys, it was a long night last night. I was up till 2.30, and then the morning show, and now I'm here. I love you, but you know what? I might be a little loopy. I might be a little loopy on a word every now and again. I apologize. I'm not loopy on the attitude, on the approach, on that. I'm dead on. Earnestness matters, and and to Hoosiers, man, I think it matters uh, possibly uh, more than others, more than other places. Maybe not. I think there's a lot to learn from these school board elections. Ways to do it and ways to do it much better. But look at the votes. Look at the votes. This is just the beginning. Just the beginning. We have the chance to run better candidates. We have the chance to run better races because maybe the candidates are fine. And this is true in those larger scale elections as well. 
Jennifer Ruth Green should be back on the ballot. The Republican Party should be focused on defeating Andre Carson, focused on defeating Frank Mervan because Mervan is weak in the first district. They should be focused now with a conversation that is honest and discussed with earnestness and start working now to achieve those victories two years from now. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. I really can't play this enough. And it's why for so many people this election is like the weirdest thing ever. How in the world, with inflation, with crime, with everything going on in the U.S., how in the world are people still voting for the political left? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Did you catch this uh, exit poll from CNN? Feelings about the way things are going in the U.S. This is a bleak picture from this electorate. Look down here, 39% dissatisfied, 34% are downright angry. That's 73%, three quarters of the electorate uh, tell us they're dissatisfied or angry. Only 5% enthusiastic, 20% satisfied. I mean... That's nuts. 73% of Americans are either angry or dissatisfied with the way things are going under Joe Biden. And, and uh, I, 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 must, I must say that, you know, I heard Noah Rothman discuss the fact that if anybody thinks they're going to push Joe Biden aside, that's not going to happen now. I'm not a believer in that at all. I'm not a believer in that. At all. We already saw the media starting to move the whole uh, Joe Biden's been lying. Joe Biden's not telling the truth. Joe Biden's been having a bad week. Maybe there's something wrong with Joe Biden narrative before the election. Figuring, of course, they figured, too, that there would be this red wave, which is, I think, a huge part of the story. They thought that Republicans were going to sweep. So they didn't know this was going to happen. It's very interesting how people are trying to fill in their own blanks on on this story. I'm not so sure Biden's the guy. Uh, I, I, as a matter of fact, I would right now say no. But Americans are unhappy. How how are you not focused on the? How did that not move and drive the election? I think that's going to be broken down for days and weeks and months to follow. Leland Vitter is the anchor of On Balance over there at News Nation. You catch me on there from time to time. He joined us to break down what he saw. In this election, as he's covered a lot of them, that story is coming up next. TonyCats.locals.com is where you find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz Today. Everybody has a reaction to these midterms. Yet the reaction is kind of fascinating because it isn't the same one across the board. Now, you would think that that makes sense, right? Republicans see it this way and Democrats see it that way. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you at TonyKatz.Locals.com. This was Mark Thiessen on Fox News last night. About this, We have the worst inflation in four decades, the worst collapse in real wages in 40 years, the worst crime wave since the 1990s, the worst border crisis in U.S. history. We have Joe Biden, who is the least popular president since Harry Truman, since presidential polling happened, and there wasn't a red wave. That is a searing indictment of the Republican Party. 
That is a searing indictment of the message that we have been sending to the voters. They looked at all of that and said, and looked at the Republican alternative and said, no thanks. That's one heck of an indictment. But over there at ABC News, it was a conversation that Democrats in Florida are freaking the blank out. We are here inside of Ron DeSantis' election headquarters in the Tampa Convention Center. This room is just ready to explode. And as joyous as everyone is here inside this room right now, they are feeling the exact opposite way on the Democratic side of the ticket right now. I spent the day talking to a few Democrats. Let me just give you a couple bullet points of what I was told. The Democratic Party in Florida needs to clean house. There has been a failure of leadership, and we are getting our butts kicked. Well... That is a way to put it. Over at News Nation, it was Leland Vitter saying instead of champagne, Republicans are popping Tylenol. Seems everybody, depending on where you are, has a take. Leland Vitter joins us right now from News Nation. On Balance is the name of the show. Catch that every Monday through Friday. Um, it, It seems like there's something in this election, Leland, for everyone. Yeah, in a way, right? Um, I, I think it's funny uh, to watch and to think about all of the cable news producers through the night who are slowly tearing up their morning rundowns when Democrats and something like Morning Joe was expecting to have uh, sort of explained to Democrats why they had gotten shellacked in this sort of uh, come to Jesus moment where everyone was going to talk about how they suddenly needed to rethink their messaging, and maybe we do need to talk more about crime and economic issues than abortion and threats to democracy. And then this morning, it was the celebration of the genius of the Democratic uh, moment and understanding of the electorate suddenly and uh, the Fox News soul-searching. The, the piece that you ran from ABC, sure, at 8 o'clock last night Eastern when Ron DeSantis was, was pulling ahead and won by uh, you know, a million-plus votes in Florida from a very – you know, micro view in Florida. Uh, yeah, the Democratic Party, I'm sure, is having a hard time there. In the in the broader sense of the word, I don't know how you spin this as anything other than a really, really awful night for Republicans and primarily for uh, candidates who were picked by Donald Trump and aligned themselves with that side of the Republican Party. So the the way that that's done, I mean, just as a a, a matter of conversation, um, the way that 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 it's done is that, well, look, Georgia's going to a runoff. Arizona, who knows why they're taking so long? There's going to be a lot of questions uh, in that race. And and you you certainly have Carrie Lake well within striking distance of getting that governor's uh, mansion. And and Blake Masters, well, clearly uh, it's it's Arizona issues all over again, meaning that some opportunities still exist for these Trump candidates. After all, J.D. Vance won in Ohio, and some of them are the same old tricks, and you can put it on to that category that's in a that's a moment of for those people who are solely and only in the trump camp uh, a, a matter of of self-appeasement no there's there's no moment of extraction and learn from that is there there's there's as many drugs as you want to take uh, self-delusion is always a an answer you know ho- hopium is a great thing and if you want to go back to the arizona uh, well, fine, but the data just doesn't support it. You think uh, you brought up J.D. Vance. He ran 10 points behind Mike DeWine 
uh, in Ohio. There's no explanation other than candidate quality. Uh, you got uh, Herschel Walker in Georgia. Yeah, he's going to run off. He was running four or five points behind uh, Brian Kemp. There's no other explanation uh, other than candidate quality. Uh, Mehmet Oz uh, versus Doug Mastriano in, in Pennsylvania. No other explanation than than candidate quality why Mehmet Oz, Oz would lose. Uh, Don Bulldog in uh, New Hampshire. Uh, no other explanation when Chris Sununu won, won by a couple of touchdowns in candidate quality. Look no further than Florida, where you had two candidates who were who were very, very MAGA, but MAGA without the crazy, uh, true, two tested, reasonable, thoughtful, very conservative people, but who weren't crazy and were not sort of Trump acolytes in Marco Rubio and Ron DeSantis, uh, won by double digits. Ron DeSantis turned Miami-Dade County red. Um, so to, to, to argue that somehow it is, uh, you know, oh, well, uh, it's Arizona up to their hijinks again, and, oh, uh, take solace in the fact that Walker is running to go into a runoff, and that might save the Senate for Republicans. Uh, Mark Keeson made a very good point. Uh, this, Joe Biden has done better in a midterm election than any other president save a wartime George W. Bush. Talking to Leland Vittert of News Nation now, let me go back uh, to something that that you brought up. Candidate quality. I've been saying that this is the buzzword people are going to be hearing for the next two years. You mean the quality candidate that is John Fetterman? That's a I'm not even disagreeing with you, Leland. You, me, a bar stool, a bourbon. I'm getting what you're saying, and I don't disagree with that. I haven't disagreed uh, with a lot of people engaging this conversation. I think you said it extremely well. But John Fetterman's not a quality candidate by any measure, and that race was extremely tight. What is it about Oz that's so turned off just this small sliver of enough of Pennsylvania voters? Did you Have you ever watched Mem and Oz try to do politics? Have you did you watch the ad where he's supposed to be in touch with uh, the the real working man men of Philadelphia? The crudite ad. Yeah, I mean, come on. The, 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 the time he filmed his campaign commercial from his New Jersey mansion, voters are smart. If Republicans want to win white working class voters, and that's how they're going to offset the move by wealthier suburban whites towards Democrats on cultural issues, you've got to do that. You've got to be that authentic candidate. Uh, you know, can you can you imagine going to a steel mill or a coal mine in Pennsylvania uh, and, and having anyone there go, oh, yeah, Memon Eyes cares about people like me? Please. I covered, so, I, I covered that race. I was there for that. I was there for that debate. Um, and sure, and sure Memon Oz won the debate, but that was because it was Memon Oz versus John Fetterman. Memon Oz versus Memon Oz was terrible. So now let's. Um take a look at this from a from a different perspective you're the political uh right there are some places where you can look and say you know what didn't go the way we want but some things worked out just fine and certainly that florida conversation is one that worked out just fine uh lee zeldin not a perfect candidate but my goodness that's a lot of push on kathy hochel you, you can make the argument that's a lot of push on Kathy Hochul. Give me, in your view, a couple of things Republicans can take with them uh, down down the road. 
Right. You, you brought it up yourself, which is New York State. Sean Patrick Maloney, uh, the chair of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, he was the guy who was in charge of getting Democrats elected. He just conceded. Okay. Um, MAGA without the crazy. Lee Zeldin, MAGA without the crazy. Uh, you, you go through these races and you look at where Republicans did well. You look at where Republicans did well uh, in, in 2021 with Glenn Youngkin. MAGA without the crazy. When they ran, when they ran a MAGA without the crazy candidate, did very well. Wasn't even, wasn't, it wasn't even a contest. In, in fact, the only thing that they really actually saved the Senate for Republicans uh, is Adam Laxalt in Nevada right now, who is ahead by a very slim margin. And if Republicans win Nevada, Georgia's going to a runoff. Okay, now control of the Senate rests in Georgia. Um, and then Republicans can make that argument that, hey, look, hold your nose and vote for Herschel Walker, um, even though uh, he's not he's not he's going to add about as much to the deliberative body of the Senate. I, I, any fair minded person would agree as John Fetterman is. I mean, this is not this is not somebody who's going to have nuanced discussion of policy. How do I know that? Because I interviewed him. Um, but he's going to be a reliable Republican vote. John Fetterman's going to be a reliable blue, blue vote. We move over to where the Democrats are, who are, are breathing a, a level of sigh of relief. But I wonder whether or not st- uh, their strategy now comes to an end. If Republicans make this decision, as you have laid this out of, here are those candidates, here is the result, the connective tissue is uh, the Trump style without any finesse, and no, that no, doesn't no, no, work. No, 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 no. It's not. It, this is not finesse. None that Oz did not have finesse. Black Blake Masters did not have finesse. JD That's Vance what I'm saying. Have finesse. They, they, no, they, they, this isn't the Trump style. They're they're just they, they're they're just bad political candidates. It's, 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 Ron DeSantis has finesse. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, we're, we're on the same page. I'm okay, talking okay. about those specific people. If you don't like to use the, the word finesse, we can use uh, another word. Bad political candidates is what we'll call it for the sake of this conversation. Um, you're, the, you're the left. You've been saying Trump this, Trump that, Trump terrible, Trump awful for years. Now the Republicans say, you're right, Trump's out. How does the left then move in that environment where... Trump's out. They're going to keep bringing up Trump if people have now pushed him out and pushed him away because because the the electorate, it seems, will take notice even if the media apparatchik refuses to notice. Well, MSNBC was a case study in just what you brought up this morning. Um, Joe Scarborough sort of lamented and and went on for a a long time in the eulogy of Donald Trump's political career, which is interesting because Joe Scarborough and the cover of The New York Post uh, had exactly the same message. Um, this morning. And and then about 15 minutes later was the segment. Uh, there, were, there were still election deniers on the ballot. What happens when they get into office? So, uh, right, that 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 will be the, the left strategy. But you saw when Democrats had to run against uh, non-crazy Republicans. And by that, I mean somebody like a Brian Kemp, still very conservative. Uh, but not just sort of wackadoodle in one way or the other. Uh, Brian Kemp did very well against Stacey Abrams. She tried to run on the issue of uh, election integrity and abortion. It didn't work. Same in, uh, same thing in Ohio. Frankly, the same thing with Charlie Crist, even though he's an awful candidate, uh, in Florida. Um, when, it, when, it, when Democrats had to run on the issues, they couldn't run on the economy. 
uh, for obvious reasons. It didn't work for him. It's, it, 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 it seems pretty – I don't ever like to say it seems pretty simple, but it, it seems very simple. If for no other reason, then we don't have to follow pundits. We can follow data. How much of the uh, election that we saw last night can be attributed to policy? Is it really the take that the thing that was most objectionable was Trump connection? Or were there policy conversations that simply people could not go along with? For example, do we really believe that abortion and January 6th moved the needle in these races? Well, do we believe that it moved the needle in Pennsylvania? Polling tells us it does. Polling tells us it was one of the most important issues. Um, do we believe that it moved the needle when you have somebody who's, in a, who's sort of on the far extreme and calls uh, abortion a demonic uh, ritual sac- religious sacrifice? Uh, yeah, th- those, those kinds of moments can move uh, the needle. You want to talk about policy, Ron DeSantis wa- ran on policy. Um, and if you listen to his victory speech, it was about policy. We're going to take the woke out of uh, Florida schools and Florida businesses. Uh, we're going to have low taxes. We're going to be fiscally responsible. We're going to make government work for you. And he was rewarded with, with double digits, almost a 20-point win, and he flipped Miami-Dade County red. It, it's a pretty simple playbook. Right. But so he, as he you're making the conversation exactly. about policy versus rhetoric, and it's the rhetoric that uh, moved people out. This was, this was the point. Were there any policy? Do we think that any of the policy prescriptions that uh, people put out there in, in name the state were the turnoff that moved people back to the left, even though crime is where it is, inflation where it is, et cetera? You, you can argue, I think, very easily that Blake Masters, uh, especially in, in Arizona and Cary Lake, moved people uh, – to to the to the left that that was MAGA with the crazy. Uh, if you want to explain the difference between JD Vance uh, and uh, Brian uh, JD sorry JD Vance and uh, Mike Dewan in Ohio, uh, you you could say their the way they articulate uh, their views on abortion could be a difference. Uh, you know the, the one thing that people the one thing we remember it, it, we don't have policy debates in America anymore. Right. You know, the, the, you, you know, you can talk about crime all you want. The, the junior U.S. senator from Ohio has diddly squat to say about crime in Cleveland. I mean, there are completely there's no not connect, connective tissue between those two things. And yet that's a big issue. The, the people vote how they feel and how they feel about the person and how that person represents what they what they want and need to go do. So that would be my when you ask policy, that would be my takeaway there. Leland Vittert is his name. Catch him over at News Nation, 7 Eastern, 6 Central, on balance with Leland Vittert, newsnationnow.com. Leland, I appreciate you taking the time. Much more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. So is that really the, the answer? All this comes down to candidate quality. Well, if that's the case, it comes down to candidate quality everywhere. No, what I, I think it might more come down to, although I, I am not opposed to quality candidates, is the fact that the political right is never in lockstep and the political left always is. So it's much easier for the left to quantify a 
quality candidate because they're all going to follow the same tune. And the people who don't, uh, like, for example, Joe Manchin, very easy to uh, just dismiss because it happens so rarely. The right doesn't always fall in line like that, which is interesting because the people who they're talking about is not quality people who are uh, Trump and in that Trump mode, uh, they fell in line with Trump. That's what makes it kind of fascinating. It's worth a breakdown. What makes quality candidates? What is candidate quality? We should define that. Can't just scream it. Gotta define it. So let's let's do that. Let us do that. Find everything, TonyCats.Locals.com. Guys, I love this, and I love that you're here. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.